Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Corinthians. While you're opening your Bible, buckle yourself in your seat. Good things are a-brewing on the corner. In February next year, 2024, we're launching a church plant. But we're not planting a church in Carrollton or Hiram or Dallas. We're going to plant a church right here on the corner, Saturday night, 515. How many of you believe there's more people in Douglasville that need to be born again? If you don't believe that, go to the mall and you'll change your mind. <laughs> They're all on I-20. But in February, we're going to be launching a church plant. We need you to work. We need workers. Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers. We're not hurting for harvest. We're hurting for workers in the world. Jesus knew it. So I'm just putting it out there. We will give you all the details as we move toward the new year. But our city is growing. You can ride down Fairburn Road, Chapel Hill. Things are brewing. You can go downtown and they're building a brand new amphitheater downtown. There's a brand new movie theater coming in. I, I think it's Lionsgate. I'm not sure which one is coming in a studio. Coming right down the road about two miles from us. Lots of new business coming in town. Lots of new people flooding into our area. And that just doggone excites me that there's more people that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to fill this place up with people who've been touched by the Holy Ghost, who've had a life change. So we're pretty much full in this one. We're definitely full in the second one. So we're going to plant us a brand new camp, a brand new church service, a brand new church, man, new leaders, and just going to be fun. We'll keep you updated. But before I jump into the message, every Wednesday night we're praying over that. Every Wednesday night, we show up right here. I'm doing a series called Revival, and I'm challenging all of us. It's one thing to pray it. It's another thing to live it. And uh, we gather together. I do about 30 minutes of teaching, and then Michael leads us in worship, and we bathe this place in prayer. We've had two supernatural healings happen already on Wednesday night where we gather around and we pray for anybody that has any need. So on Wednesday night, it's a great place to come plug your Tesla car in spiritually, charge yourself back up midweek and keep rolling. 7.15, we do it. Would love to have you come out. We're getting ready for the harvest. Let's jump into this today. As I said at the, at the, um, a few moments ago, I believe you're going to leave changed. I genuinely do. This sermon series jumped in my heart a, few, a week or so ago. I won't belabor telling it again. I told the story last week, but we're growing and we're bringing new people in and new faces every week, especially second service. I meet new faces every week. How did you hear about us? First time here, new in town, caught you on the website. A friend told me I should be there, uh, listening to your podcast, following you on YouTube, and people are coming in the door. Well, as they do come in the door, it's very easy to forget why we're here. It's very easy to come in with your own perceptions and go, oh, well, what I'm looking for, is this it? And so I was praying about where to go, and this phrase jumped in called supernatural nonsense. It's in the book of Corinthians of where I take the text. As the scriptures say, Corinthians 1.19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and then this was the phrase that stuck out, and the Gentiles, that's everybody in the room that's not a Jew, that's all the rest of us Humes, 
It's just nonsense. And that phrase really jumped out in my heart that, that God's wisdom could be so deep that to us who were deep and thoughtful and debaters and love to be skeptical, it can just appear like nonsense. Everything that Jesus wants to do on our earth, everything He wants to do in our heart, everything He wants to do on this corner, if we're not careful, we won't let Him do it because He'll want to do things that don't make sense to us. And we want to keep Jesus in our nice little box and we want to figure Him out. How many of you know you can't figure Him out? He's God. If you could figure Him out, He would not be God. There's something brilliant about Him that He doesn't want to be figured out, but He loves you to seek Him out. And so in this, there's, there's this possibility that we could be Christians and not even know why we do what we do. We just do it because mom told me to do it, dad, or my preacher told me to do it, or I go to a church and they do that, so I do it. And it goes on to say this, but to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, that's everybody, Christ is the power and He's the wisdom of God. Now the moment it says Christ is the wisdom of God, it intimates that there'll be some things that Christ would ask of us that would seem foolish. Because remember, God's wisdom to human wisdom seems illogical. It seems foolish. And so I wrote these, this down as a thought just for the whole series that God's wisdom in all things will always appear foolish to human logic and reason. Always. You pick a topic in the Bible and try to explain it logically, it rarely makes sense because it's required to have faith. The only thing that pleases God, Hebrews 11, is faith. Now, what faith means is that you won't be able to figure it out mentally. That's why it's requiring faith. If you could figure it all out, you wouldn't need faith. You would just need understanding. But there is an essence of God where God pulls all of us into a place to where you go, I don't get it, but I trust Him. I don't understand it all together, but I trust Him. It's what my dad said to me years ago when I was in my 20s. And I came to him and I said, Dad, I just wish I could win the lotto. Of course, I was Pentecostal. If you played back then, you went to hell. But it was a thought. <laughs> it was, I, I want to play the lotto. It was a million-dollar lotto way before it became billions back then. And I said, I've said this many times. It was very touching to me. I said, he said, well, what would you do with a million dollars? I told him, Dad, what would I do with a million dollars? I'd do this, this. And the typical Christian, I'd pay off the church because you got to help God out. I'd just, and then I love what he said. He said, well, you know what, son? I said, no, sir, what? He said, if God lets you win the million, he'll require you to do something that cost a million one hundred thousand. Because he never wants you in a place where you don't have to trust him. If you get to a place you don't have to trust him, you're screwed up. Because you'll rely on yourself. And we live in a culture that loves to rely on self-effort. Nothing wrong with it. I love it. You, you should be in shape, take care of yourself, be disciplined, be educated. All of that is great. But, but in our education, it's what the Scripture said. The debaters, the philosophers, I love philosophy. All of it. I like that. I love to debate about it. But in the end of it, at the end of the debating, at the end of the philosophical ideologies that we can have as a human, it still requires faith. It still requires I trust Him. And so... It brought me to this called call religion or wisdom. Depending on who you ask, it's religion. And I wrote the six things out that most churches do. We do these. 
But most churches will sing when you come in the door. They'll have a prayer time. They do something called community. They shake each other's hand. They may call it fellowship, something. There's always a teaching. Uh, it can be from a lectern. It can be from a homily. It can be Pentecostal sweating. It can be shouting. It can be never move, sit up in the corner and just read. But, but most religious services will teach. Many of them, not all, will celebrate communion in one way or another, whether weekly or monthly or quarterly. And every one of them exists because the, the people that attend give. And they give for many different reasons. They, you know, but this is what we, some people call church. This is what some people are deconstructing from, going, it's just religion, I don't need it. But in all of my study, I have found that all of this is not some human ideology, it's the wisdom of God. In all of these things, though we can mess it up, we are human, there is the wisdom of God in all of them, and in every one of these, God is trying to connect us to an aspect of His character. So that if we're not careful, it becomes religion and it's just singing. So I can come in late because they're just singing. And it's just praying, but really it's not really praying. It's just a bunch of victims that are really needing Him to help. And community, that's why we quit and start other churches and don't go because I'm ticked off at people that have hurt me. They didn't call me. Nobody checked on me. Teaching, we typically go where our ears are itched. We want to be told what we want to hear. We don't want to be told truth because that stings. I want to be told how God loves me regardless. Not told that if I keep living this way, it's a sinful behavior. I don't want that. Communion, it's just you either have real wine or fake wine. If you're Pentecostal, it's fake. If you're Catholic, it's real. Praise God. And uh, I choose the real stuff, but I was voted out. Uh, <laughs> and then giving. And giving is people... As I said last week, people do it for many reasons. They feel guilty. Some people give 10% to God. Some people can't serve in a church unless they give 10%. Some give God a dollar. Some give nothing. But it's part of, in all of this, it, you have to tell yourself, this is not a human idea because Jesus said what we're learning on Wednesday, He would build the church. But So all of these things are how we humans put it together, but it's God trying to connect us to Himself in all of these ways. That means, in, and I'm going to teach on all of them, but that means in singing, I can connect to God in such a way that I could find freedom in the middle of a song. So last week we talked about giving. This is what we said. It was God's wisdom in giving is He wants to connect you to supernatural intervention. You can go listen to it. I won't belabor the point, but God, and what we did say, because I don't want you to be shocked, we did say last week that when we come in the door, we all want to bring a seed. Go listen to the message so you know it's not coming from a compulsion or a forcing anyone. It was coming to inspire us to believe that God can intervene in our daily lives as humans. So what we're asking every week when you come, nobody's going to check. This is between you and God. So when you come in the door, you don't have to show it. You know, I got my seat. But I am asking as a shepherd, when you come in the door, bring a seed. I don't care how much it is. It needs between you and God. 
of what you bring. If you want to do it online, if you want to do it in person with you know, cash, however you want to do it, but at the end of every message, talking about giving and communion, we're going to be very thoughtful now of what we're really doing here, and it's not just some scattered thing. So let's talk about this. I will do my best not to make it boring, but it's meaningful. Every week at this church, when we end, we take communion. Now, when we do, I understand, I, I give us all credit that we're all humans and we have lives to live. But it is rather interesting that when communion comes, how many can just go, okay, church is over, let me slip out. And that's fine. Uh, that, again, I'm not bemoaning anything. I'm glad you come. If you need to slip out early, great. I, I'm just glad you're here serving the Lord with me. But I will say the reason the teaching is done and it's time for communion that we say, well, I just need to slip out early is because in human wisdom, it's just a religious thing that really makes no difference in how my week goes. And yet the reason I do it weekly is because it should rock your world to how your week goes. That's why we do it weekly. I do know that it can become a religious thing. Somebody said when we started doing it weekly, well, I can't believe we're doing it weekly. It's just we're, gonna lose, we're just going to lose the all of it. And I'm like, that, if you want to debate that, that's not even debatable. We lose the all because we do it weekly. We sing every week. Is anybody whining about that? We take up offerings every week. Anybody whine about that? We teach it. So why couldn't we bring in communion? Right? It was the one thing Jesus said you should remember. And so several years ago, we brought it out and we started doing it weekly. And I've never really taught on it, and I thought in this supernatural nonsense, perhaps we should just kind of reconvene the house so that we're all on the page. To, and this is what I would love you to ask. And I, I won't take it negatively. I want you to ask, Jesus, do I belong here? Because not everybody does belong here. I'm not talking about you. Like, okay, you know, you get up and go. You don't belong here. You over there, hey, honey, go. Get out of the door. You don't belong here. You wore the wrong shoes. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about the, the philosophy that everybody belongs here. They don't. There's plenty of great churches in our, our neighborhood and area. But I will say, if you do come here, I want you to belong and to contribute and to make a difference in the kingdom. I don't want you just sitting, wasting kingdom time. I want everybody coming in the door to go, hey, I can do something for God's kingdom, whatever that would be. But, but we all kind of are here for the same thing. In other words, we're fighting for the same cause. And the cause, so that we know, it's not Mark and Robin's church. The cause is the kingdom. I want God's kingdom to move forward. So in this thing called communion... What I said at the beginning, I meant it, it has the potential to revolutionize your life when you understand what you're doing with it. Otherwise, it's good bread that's been made homemade for you. But the reality of it is, it, it is life-changing when you dip that and understand what it is you're doing. And that's what I want to bring you to today. I Again, I'm not judging when we end service whether you slip out or not, but... I would hope that what I present to you today 
that you would at least be first in line before you slip out. Because it will be that meaningful to you. Because I myself do not desire to come and just have another gathering on, on Saturday night, having our third time to gather here just to waste time. The reason I choose to do that is trying to be wise. I don't think it's time to build an $8 million facility, probably what it would cost today. It'd probably cost today's economy $200 million, somewhere like that, cheap. But I, I look at this and go, hey, there's seven days a week. This is being really used on one, so man, let's get busy filling this place up. There's no rule that says we just can do it on Sunday within a two-hour window. God can show up anytime we gather. All right, so let, I don't want to preach that. Let me just talk about communion. Now to do that, to talk about communion, let me tell you where I'm going to go in the next 20 minutes. I'm going to take you to a, a place where Jesus is going to slap religion in the face. And He is going to call account the perceptions of religious people to what they think about Him. Now, if you want to ever read the Gospels and have your mind blown, the people He struggled with were never the sinners. It was always the religious people that could not handle Him. I told Robin this not long ago. I said, you know, I never have struggles with sinners. They're just glad you do what you do. And if they hate you, they just go, I hate you. And you go, okay, goodbye. But the people that have caused the most issues in, in the church are not sinful people. It's not the government. It's us Christians. We are gifted to kill each other. And if somebody else can't do it, I can do it for them in Jesus' name. So communion, it's something to where I... I, I prayed about it because it's a really deep subject, but I prayed about how I could bring it today in a way it would make sense, but in a way that would touch us so you can understand my heart. So my, my thinking today is that I'm not preaching a message. I'm trying to convey my heart in this of why it's so important and meaningful to me. So now we go to the story. Now here's the story. I've talked about it before. The story is Jesus is kind of fresh on the scene. The city is buzzing. The towns are buzzing. Everybody's kind of got a, hey, it's the Jesus dude. They don't really know him, but they've heard about him. And he's been working his power. So he's blowing people away, and it's spreading quickly in town. There's this dude from Galilee. He's Joseph's kid, but he's doing things that's blowing our mind. Let's go check him out. So they do. There's about 6,000 people that show up on a hillside one day and that's where the loaves and fish are and Jesus does this miracle. And He feeds everybody and everybody's like, oh, they've never seen anything like this. And so they end the day. Well, the next day, Jesus is tired. He's a human as well as God. And so He travels Himself across the lake and He kind of gets where He's got a little quiet time, like, okay, let me calm down. But lo and behold, as people do, they hunted Him down. And that was before there was welfare. It was already in the people's heart. Like, it's free stuff, man. Let's get him. Let's grab a hold of him. So they're running after him to get free stuff, get more food out of him. 
And he shows up, and so everybody's gathered around, and he's doing what I love Jesus to do, this word here. He's teaching them. And so we are now intersecting ourselves into Jesus, teaching a group of people who have hunted him down because they really are blown away by how cool he is and how, much, how many miracles he can do. And in turn, they're hoping to get another handout. We step into the story. Verse 26 of John 6, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me. Now when he says that, something strange is happening because he's letting us know that every human has a reason of why they'll follow him. Everybody in this room as a human has your because. Your because, well, mama told me to go. Your because is my wife drugged me here. Your because is I'm sick and I need, your because is I hit rock bottom and I needed something and this was the way I went. But what we do know about humans, we all have our because. It's the reason I chose to seek him out. I hit rock bottom and I sought him out. I had a dream and he appeared to me, whatever it would be. Jesus says, you came to me because I fed you. Now, he's not rebuking them. He's just telling them the facts that all of you came for very superficial reasons. You came for a reason that if I don't show up next week, you're going to be hungry. In other words, you're coming to me for superficial things and know this about me, the superficiality of me will wear thin because I'm not just a God that shows up just to throw out the blessings to you. He goes on, he says, not because, and then this word in the blue, because you understood it. Like there's a deeper reasoning of why I would want God. So we go to the communion today. There's this bread and this juice. In, in the natural, we just hope that the bread is fresh and we hope that I can open that little packet that nobody but an angel can open. It takes supernatural power to get into it. You have to have some hero Marvel comic just to get the thing open. It's frustrating. The reason we have real bread is because I had to repent every time I took communion because I could never get the thing open. I would just go, I love you, Lord, and throw it out because I never could get it, literally could never get it open. So you're welcome for the fresh bread that has people spit floating around in the jar. That was my idea. <laughs> That's where your faith is challenged. Remember I said God is required by faith. If you want to know how much faith you have, take that bread, be the last person in line, look in there and go, oh, Jesus. There's things floating in there you know not of. But in two years, nobody's ever got sick. Throwing that out there to you. Verse 27. He said, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. In other words, he's trying to push me into something deeper. Know this about Jesus. He never minds you coming to him for superficial needs. My finger hurts. Could you heal it? He'll do that. He, but the moment he does it, it's not just so his ego goes up and he goes, ooh, I'm a healer. He does it because he wants to take you deeper. Not so you can post on Facebook and never come back. 
So when he does something for us, it is always to take me one step more into an understanding of who he really is. Then he says, spend your energy, I love that, seeking the eternal life. In other words, he tells me that there's things deeper than just this superficiality. There's something going on in the unseen realm that I'm wanting to accomplish. If you could get past your religious mind and past your superficiality and past the perishable things of the little minute little things I could do and you could see and understand, it would blow your mind. So today, potentially, and for the rest of the time we do communion, could you see that little piece of bread as bigger and deeper than just a piece of bread? And the juice is more powerful than just grape juice. Yes, in the natural, it is just that. In the natural, he did just feed them, but he's pushing them. Every time you come in the door... God is pushing you deeper. And oh, it will make you uncomfortable. Sometimes deeper is just get your hands out of your pocket and lift them. But he's pushing you to go a little higher. Sometimes it's just sing a little louder even though it's off key and you do it. Sometimes it's, it's give a little more. Sometimes it's come to the altar for prayer. But he's always pushing you to trust that his power is bigger than you give him credit for. Why? Because he's wanting to push you into an eternal mindset. He's wanting to push you into a realm of understanding there are things around us that are eternal. Right now, if you're a Christian, what we're told is that there, there are spiritual beings called angels that are worshiping with us in this room as we speak. Do I see them? No, I don't see them. But I have faith that we're part of a cosmic, eternal, global choir of believers and spirit beings that worship Him and call Him holy. He goes on to say, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I love it. Here again, there's superficiality. Well, dear Lord, give me the bread. What are you holding back? That's why we came here. That's why we followed you. You fed us once. We'll give. If that was false bread, how about the true? Give it to us. They're still in a very superficial thing. Jesus just went down about 100 feet and they're still shallow. So he's going to keep pulling them because he realizes in his godness that though we were created in his image 4,000 years later, we've blown that and we're dumb now. So he has to kind of just slow it down and talk a little bit. Jesus replied, now this is pretty clear, doesn't take a scholar to get it. I am the bread of life. Do you see the shift in depth? The shift in depth was, you thought the bread was what I gave you across the, river, across the lake. You followed me a little further because you're hungry for that. I'm going to take you deeper. You're thinking bread, I'm thinking bread. So we're both talking the same word, but we're living on two different planes. Does that make sense? You want bread. Here is bread. But those two levels of bread are two different understandings. So that it would be easy for me to say, let's come for communion and giving. 
and it's communion and giving. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's communion and giving. Well, wait, we're using the same word, communion and giving. Yeah, communion and giving. But communion and giving is just bread, grape, juice, and my $5. And he goes, you know, communion and giving is your seed to me to release supernatural intervention and an overwhelming understanding of what I've done for you. I'm trying to push you into this, Mark. And if I'm not careful in my superficiality of being distracted in the world, I will just run up, give my dollar or whatever people give, give, give my offering to whatever amount or my tithe, and then dip real quick, burp, and leave. Now, nothing happens there. It's not like God's mad at you. I'm sure He's thankful anything you do for Him. But what I, He didn't rebuke them for wanting the, this bread. He just tried to get them to understand this bread. So He's not going to rebuke you if you just throw in a dollar and leave. He's grateful. It's His kingdom. But He's trying to get you to go, it's not a dollar. It's a dollar. It's not bread. It's bread. Like that's what He's attempting to get us to do. Now He says this, I love, whoever believes in Me will never thirst again. But you haven't believed in Me even though you've seen Me. So again, there's two different ideologies going on. Again, I will tell you, that's religion. Religion uses all the right words, but no power. It's even what Timothy was written to by Paul. He said, you have all the makings of godliness, but no power. This is the problem. It's not that Christianity is is a religion that that is a problem we should get rid of. It's that Christianity has turned into a religion that has all the right words and all the right dogmas, but no power. We're we're doing it here rather than here. We're, We're using the words, we're singing the hymns, we're quoting the creeds, we're giving the offerings, but but it's just all up here. And he's trying to push us deeper. He wants us all to go to somewhere. That's why he said, whosoever. He wants everybody in the room to be at the same place. He says, I, again, he's just making it as clear as possible. He's not saying, hey, figure it out. It's not a riddle to him. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer... So the world may live. Oh, it's going to freak them out. It's my flesh. Now, probably, as I've said before, you should have just erased this verse. This doesn't preach good to the people you're talking to. You and I are giddy about it. We're like, ooh. These people? No. And so the people begin arguing with each other about what he meant. That is the quintessential issue of religion versus wisdom. He will say it, wisdom, and we will argue it. He will say, forgive, and we're like, well now. I know you said forgive, but you don't know, you don't know what they did to me. And then he says, you're right, I'm so dumb. Take over and rule the world. And if you want to know how well we do that, watch Jim Carrey. He tried it. Didn't go well. 
that three people got that. Bruce Almighty, if you want to go watch the movie. <laughs> right? So, so there is this challenge of, well, what does he really mean? He really means give. And we're like, well, I don't really have it. Oh, you're right. I forgot you don't have it. It's why you own three cars, a bass boat, a trailer, fishing poles, shotguns, motorcycle, and a beach house, and you're going to Disney, and your kids are in 92 sports. It costs $32,000 a year. I forgot. You don't have it. He says give, and then we'll argue that. Well, I mean, I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe in that. I just, right? That's what we humans... Because we're brilliant, we'll always argue what he meant. Well, you would think Jesus would go, okay, you're right, I just love all of you. And he would have just left it at that. So Jesus said again, no apology, no like, look, I want to be politically correct. I didn't really mean that. Like that, he could have said, it's not what he said. Jesus said again, I'm, I'm just, this time, I'm going to tell you the truth. Like he was lying before. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and now he just kind of goes for the gut punch. He's just like, well, I'm already in. I might as well go all the way. You got to drink his blood. That's deep. Because now I've crossed the line. I have crossed the religious line. Because he says, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you've got no life in you. That preaches well to us Gentiles 2,000 years later. To this group of people, nope. Because the moment he said this, he's challenging their religious dogmas. Because their religious dogma said in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, in Leviticus, you cannot drink blood. You cannot. If you really study it out, the moment you drink blood, you're cut off from the entire community and you're considered as sinful. So in reality, Jesus is saying, look, unless you eat my flesh and deal with your religious dogmas about your own behavior, you'll never have life. He's challenging them. He's touching the book of Leviticus. Leviticus tells them they cannot drink blood. So immediately they shut down. Immediately like, oh, he's of the devil. He wants us to drink blood. <gasps> we can't drink blood. Our religion won't let us drink blood. We cannot drink blood. But remember, he, they're thinking blood. He's thinking blood. They're thinking bread, which was good. We can handle bread. He's thinking flesh. They're thinking blood. He's thinking blood. And so on the hillside is this, these people that are highly religious but they cannot tap in to understand what's going on. I would present to you that is American Christianity. We are highly religious, but clueless to what's really going on. And so churches today are filled with people and we never take them beyond the superficiality of just keeping them happy and entertaining them and teaching them what they want because how dare us come down here and touch a nerve. 
Touch a nerve that makes us deal with our religious thinking and our dogmas and our racism and our lust and our drunkenness and our perversion and our pornography and our hatred and our unkindness and our lying and our thieving and our cheating and our stealing and all that. How dare you touch that? I just need you to tell me how he loves me and he wants the best for me. And Jesus just comes and he just point blank gives it to him. You must eat my flesh and you must drink my blood. Let's, let's see how they responded. At this point, they just turned away and left him. The Jesus we preach would have said, and he chased them all down and begged them to please come back. I didn't really mean that. I, I shouldn't have preached that sermon yet. They weren't ready. Come back. I meant to tell you how much I love you and care for you. Now in this moment, this is where we have to start asking the power of communion because Jesus did not literally mean drink His blood and eat His flesh. He was talking about what He was going to do on the cross. And they could not get past it to understand what He was saying. So I wrote this thought, human wisdom will always forfeit God's offer to live in supernatural wisdom. Always. A human mind will always forfeit what God wants for them. Because I'll tell you this about Jesus, as nice as I can say this, if you serve Him, He will cut you. And by that, I mean He won't let you stay the same. He will deal with the little things on you that eat it, the demons, the darkness. The, he, he comes in with the sword and He lays it to the root. It's called repentance and then He begins to mold you and shape you and make you into everything. But as He's molding and shaping, it hurts because it deals with my flesh. It deals with, I want Him to do for me and help me, not I want Him to mold me and shape me. And so there's a lot of religious ideology in our human minds today, but I would, I would say this, I wonder if we were honest how many people are truly being shaped into His image. Really, I mean, if we were just honest, and then if we want to ask that, we would just ask ourselves, if you close your eyes, are you being daily shaped into His image? Because it's difficult. Because, man, I... Here's one thing I know about me. I wake up with me every day. I can deal with people because you can block them and ignore them and unfriend them and ignore, you know, however. But us, we, we get up with ourselves. And a lot of people are blaming the devil. It's not the devil, it's ourself. We woke up with, we woke up with the devil. It was you. It was our own lust, our own angers, our own superficialities that irritate us and get on our nerves and, and Jesus is trying to take us deeper. So with that in mind, Jesus has had this very poignant conversation about where humans are versus where He is. And what I desire as a shepherd of the house is I'm okay where you are. That's, we call this your journey. And, and at this church... We are okay with that. We're okay wherever you are in this spectrum. But I would be remiss if I didn't say as a shepherd of the house, in your journey, 
you may get offended along the way when people start calling you higher. And people start expecting His image to begin to manifest in you. And that's when we say, well, you don't have a right to judge me. Yes, we do. It's the body of Christ. We keep each other pushing to His image. Now, not everybody's at the same place, but we're pushing to it. Some people still struggle with fleshly things, and some people have conquered them. That's okay, but we're all pushing to, to be His image. So now let's do, real quickly, what, in, as He's telling this, He's foreshadowing His own death, talking to these people about His flesh and blood. Here's where it gets interesting and why I choose to do communion weekly. As they were eating Matthew 26, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Now we're back to the bread thing again. And He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples. Now, you have to understand that this is the John chapter 6 being played out. Because in John 6, he took the bread, broke it, and fed everybody. And they came back and he tried to take them deeper, but they couldn't go there. Now he's taking his handful of guys there with him. So he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples and said, Take this, eat it. What did he say? This is my body. So I really wasn't talking about just come up, take a hunk out of my hand and go home chewing. He was literally saying the bread is my body, but my body is, is, is going to be broken for you. And so there's the bread. Now, now Catholics believe that when you bite the bread, it turns into the literal body of Jesus Christ. I have my doubts about that. I'm not going to fight that. But that's how powerful of a thought it was. It was such a powerful thought when he says, take this bread and eat it, and he connects it. So here's the bread. Eat that. Oh, by the way, the bread you're chewing, it's, it's me. So you're, 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 you're chewing me because it's going to be broken for you. Then he goes on, took a cup of wine, and gave thanks to God for it, and gave it to him and said, each of you drink from it. And now, uh, back to John 6, this is my blood. This wine is my blood. And as you drink it, it's going to confirm the covenant between God and His people. It's poured out, here it is, as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now this is before we humans got in charge of communion. This was the very first time we know of when Jesus Himself instituted communion, and this is what He said. Three words. Bread, bang, that's my body broken for you on the cross, whipped and beaten to shreds for you. Here's the wine, drink it. That's the blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Third word, covenant. So that when you come to this table today, and you walk up to that table and you take that bread. That was the broken body of Jesus for all of your past wrongs, ills, your excuses. And you hold it in your hand and everything in this moment, at this time, this piece of bread is going to go 2,000 years back to a moment where God Himself would say, it is finished and He brought me into a new understanding of who God was to me.
So I hold that bread and I'm holding that wine and I have both of them. And he says, now Mark, before you eat this, son, this is my covenant with you. Everything I am, you have. All that I am, you can be. Your past will never define you, son. The moment you eat it, your past has been obliterated. Not once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once you bite it, son, you are delivered and you are born again brand new because of my death, burial, and resurrection for you. So the moment I eat it, I'm saying goodbye to all of my past. Not because the bread is so holy. Not because the bread and the wine saved me. But because the bread and the wine is just bread and wine is bread and wine. And the bread and wine at 2981 Bomar Road is the bread and wine that was hanging on the cross. And if I could ever get you out of 2981 Bomar Road and get you out to Mount Calvary bread and wine, if I could get you to Jerusalem to see him hanging on a hillside bread and wine, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, that everything that's ever risen up against you, when he said it is finished, he, he, he literally annihilated everything Satan had against you. And yet so many people take communion and walk out the door still guilty of their past, still thinking they're an addict, still thinking they're this, still bitter, still hurt, still mad, still broken, still sick, because they never understood the moment you swallowed, it was you saying yes to His covenant. Yes to His covenant. It is why Paul says be careful when you take it because many of you are sick, weak, and dying because you do not understand how powerful this thing is. God's wisdom is communion is that He's trying to connect you to His supernatural covenant. Phil, will you hand me that basket right there? Just the giving basket. And then that little communion cup as well. Every week, just one of the little plastic ones that only angels can open. Thank you. Every week, when you come to this house, we don't sit around and beg for money, talk about money. You can do it online, you can do it on the walls, you can do it in a basket. But I beseech you, friends, urge you, that when you come, you bring a seed. Because it's connecting to His supernatural provision for you. Amen. And you may say, but it's just a dollar. Who cares? You're connecting to His supernatural provision. You're saying, but you're saying, God, here's my, here's my seed. I trust your wisdom. And the reason the baskets sit behind the communion is because the thinking was when we laid the tables out that way, is that your giving would not be by compulsion. Your giving would be because of His covenant. So that your offering would have to cross over His covenant. So that you're not just giving to pay bills. Thank you. You're not just giving to pay bills. You're not just giving to keep the lights on. Do we do that? Of course we do. We have to. But that's giving to giving. But when you're giving, it, it launches you into supernatural things. And when you take that bread and dip it into that wine, it launches you into supernatural things. 
It's the culmination. It should be the greatest thing we do, not my preaching. The greatest thing we do is to stand up with that piece of bread and go, I am coming into an understanding of your covenant today. It is the first day of the week. And before I start my week, God, I thank you no weapon formed against me will prosper. I thank you that every sin ever laden against me has no claim on me, no hold on me. No sickness or disease shall ever come nigh my dwelling. For I have a better covenant today than I've ever had before. For Jesus Christ himself is my great intercessor and he sits at the right hand of the Father ever interceding for me and I will lack not one good thing. And every disease that tries to come against my body will have to deal with the blood and deal with it. And every demon of hell assigned against me will have to bow down to the body and the blood of Jesus. That's a lot different than deal. I gotta go. But it's understanding. It's an understanding. And then after I do it, there's my offering. There's my seed. I call it seed. There's my seed. Because God, I know me. I'll trust myself. I'll be out there trying to look for work. And you're like, I got work. I'm out there trying to pay bills. I got it, son. So in everything God is doing, He's trying to get me from here to here, from here to here. All of this stuff we do that looks so religious is just my heart to connect us to a huge God that you will lack nothing. Stand with me if you will. And I want you to look at the TV because... The Christianity of our doctrine says that when they crucified Him, they crucified Him with two other criminals. I think God's so deep that just makes my head hurt. I might teach this one day, but not for today. Why didn't they have 30 people next to Him? 40? Why three? Why, why not two? Why not just Him? And I think God in all of His wisdom wanted to say, well, your human wisdom thinks one way, I think another, because to either side of his flesh and blood are two human beings that have two very different responses. You see, it's no longer up to him. He's done his part. There's nothing else Jesus Christ can do for you. He's done it all on the cross. It is finished. He sits in heaven waiting to come. He intercedes for you. But this work was so powerful that He wanted you to know it was not magic. It still requires faith. One that will say, remember me in paradise. And the other that will snub His nose and sneer and jeer at Him. And any time you talk Jesus Christ, you will always have those two responses. The ones that can never get out of their head and the ones that have faith in their heart. And standing on this hillside is a beautiful testament of communion because here we have John 6. We can't handle that. We're leaving you. And here we have Matthew 26. We'll take it with you. And all Jesus said is, can you understand today? Bow your heads if you will. I simply ask this of us all, myself included. 
that when communion comes, oh, I would just say, if you got to slip out, be first in line. Be first in line. If you got to go somewhere, be first in line. See it from now on, not just as something we do to close the service and just to take up money. But these are two supernatural ways where God is trying to invade your life. He's trying to take you into a deeper understanding. He's trying to impact your life, your business, your kids, your health, your future, your family. So as you take it today, if you're a father, take it for your children. If you're a mother, for your children. Husband for your wife. Wife for your husband. Take it for your grandkids today. Take that communion today for lost loved ones because you're connecting yourself to His covenant. You're connecting Himself. Hey, and if you're here and you beat yourself up all the time, I'm just a loser. I'm just a failure. I always blow it. Maybe you're looking at a husband or wife or some or a friend and you're like, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't know. I'm hurt. I, I don't know. Well, today is a day to get out of your head and get into faith and go, God, I don't understand life, but I trust you. I don't understand everything I've gone through, but I trust you. I don't understand this thing I'm going through now, but I'm about to eat this bread. And the moment I swallow it, it's my way to say, I trust you. It's my way to say, you got this, God. It's, it's my way to say, I'm entering into your covenant. I might be a loser. I might, I might have, I might have you know, fallen apart a lot, God. But I'm swallowing this bread and wine today as saying, I'm entering into a covenant with you. I trust you. I believe in you. And then you lay that seed in that basket and you walk out that door and you dust your dust off your shoulders and you put a smile on your face and you put a song in your heart for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And don't you go out that door like a victim. Don't go out that door like, well, the world's just so hard. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Put a smile on your face again, a song in your heart again. Wake up every morning and know the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. And every time you feel like all hell's breaking loose, crack open your Bible. And rather than believing that devils chase you, open your Bible and say, Surely goodness chases me and mercy chases me. And He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So rather waking up wondering who your enemies are, wake up and see a table right in front of you. Instead of waking up to lack, wake up and see your cup overflowing with oil. Get yourself out of yourself and get yourself into God. Get yourself into His covenant. Get your mind into His provision. Father, today as we come as your kids, I bless the communion. I bless our seed. Every person bring a seed. Every person take communion. And when you do, at the moment you do, you believe for supernatural intervention and you believe for supernatural covenant. Father, I bless the communion. I bless the giving. As the team leads us in worship, you can come and you can partake of giving and communion, but stay in an attitude of worship. Pastor Phil will come and dismiss us. If you need prayer, myself and the elders and Robin will be up here to pray for you. I bless you today, but I do pray that when you come today and you come from now on, come with your seed of expectation and come with covenant of expectation. You're God's sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, let's partake of giving and communion. Hallelujah.